Um, And we're just going to focus in on verses 1 to 7 of that reading, verses 1 to 7 of Isaiah chapter 55. A friend of mine a few years ago got uh, invited to this wedding. Um, The people who were getting married had a lot of money. They're very rich. They'd chosen this very exclusive venue somewhere in Europe. I forget exactly where. And they knew that this friend of mine didn't have much money. And so they offered to pay for all of his expenses for the whole sort of weekend um, wedding trip. They offered to pay for his flights. They offered to pay for his hotel. They offered to pay for all of his meals. They even offered to pay for his own personalized clothes for him to wear at the wedding. It's like incredible generosity, this incredible invitation. My friend absolutely loved it. All he had to do was come. He said it was just a brilliant time. Have you ever had an invitation like that? Probably not, right? What did you make of this reading from Isaiah chapter 55? Because this is God's invitation to us, every single one of us. Whether we call ourselves a Christian or not, whether we've been following Jesus for a long time or not, four times in that opening verse, come, 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 come. Here is an invitation like no other. Incredibly generous, we're going to see. You don't have to pay for anything. Everlasting. It never runs out. Truly satisfying. And the question, all we've got to do is, well, do you want to accept it? Do you want to come? There is no other offer in the universe like what God offers to us this afternoon. Okay, so that's where we're coming. Let's take a look at the invitation, see what it means to come. First, this is an invitation to all those who are thirsty, spiritually thirsty. Have a look at verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Drink freely. Deep down in every human heart is this longing Um, for meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment. Of course, we all feel it. We're all looking for it. And God is saying here, in this first verse of Isaiah 55, come to me, you will find it in relationship with me. True meaning, lasting satisfaction, real fulfillment. Verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread, Why spend all your labor on what does not satisfy? So many people are trying to make sense of their lives through um, studying really hard, through striving for success, um, trying to live for the moment experientially, um, trying to be true to themselves, and yet still, deep down inside, this longing to think, "Ah, is there something more? And still having deep down this, this dissatisfaction in their very soul. God is saying, come to me. That's the answer. That's how to have real satisfaction. I saw this week that ex-tennis player Boris Becker, he's back in the news. He's um, got this upcoming documentary, Boom Boom, The World versus Boris Becker. It's not out yet. I'm not sure if you're interested in seeing this or not. Anyway, here's a quote from his autobiography at the height of his like tennis fame and success. I had won Wimbledon, Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich, I had all the material possessions I needed, and it's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy, and I had no inner peace. Why spend money on what is not bread? Why labor so much 
on what does not satisfy. Ed Sheeran, the famous English singer-songwriter, after his record-breaking run of shows at Wembley Stadium in 2015, admitted this. It sounds weird saying it, but you don't really feel anything. You'd think it would be like, aha, this is it, I've made it, oh my gosh. You finish it and you're like, well, what do I do now? All this fame, all this success, all this money, all this popularity, and yet no inner peace. Still this dissatisfaction, needing more, looking for more, wanting more. God says, come, come to me. I mean, it's almost a cliche to say it now, isn't it? But in every human heart is this God-shaped hole. A God-shaped hole that if you try to fill with anything else, just will not work, will not satisfy. And I don't know if you find yourself on the treadmill of striving for university to get the right grades so you can get the right job, so you can earn enough money or success or kudos so you can find the right relationship and perhaps get married and perhaps have children and have enough money so you can buy the next gadget and go on the next holiday and have the next experience. And if you're anywhere along on that treadmill, still you know deep down there is something not right and you're still wanting more, still dissatisfied. And God says, if that's you, come. You dissatisfied with life, come to me. You're feeling unfulfilled? Relationship with me is what it is all about. Why spend your labor on what does not satisfy? All the way back in the fourth century, Bishop Augustine very famously said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. God is saying there's only one way to quench that thirst, only one way to satisfy that deep longing in every human heart, and it's come to the bread of life, come to the rivers of living water, come to relationship with me, the one relationship that truly satisfies. Notice in verse three, this is a relationship which will never spoil or fade because God makes this promise here. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, originally to King David, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and then to all who put their faith in Jesus. A relationship with him now, through death, into eternity, never ends. All these other things we strive for and labor for in life, whatever it is we go for, health, success, relationships, family. If I could just have a bit more money in the bank, then I'd be satisfied. Just find a spouse, and I'd be have kids. All of these things, even if you have them, even if they satisfy for a period, they run out, they fade. Health deteriorates. Looks fade. Even your best, closest, dearest of friendships or relationships are taken from you in death. And God says, like, here's a relationship that can never get taken from you. Relationship with me through Jesus Christ. Verse three speaks of God's faithful love. Never let you down. God will never betray you. God will never leave you or forsake you. God is always there with you, even when it doesn't feel like to you. Verse seven speaks of God's mercy. Speaks of God who will freely pardon us when we come to him, confess our sin to him, draw near to him, by faith. 
It's always a way back with God, even when we muck up. So gentle with us, so gracious with us, so patient with us. There's no other relationship like this. Nothing else that satisfies, no other offer as wonderful as this in the whole universe. And God says, come. Come to me, listen to me. That you may have this life and have it to the full. I mean, it's incredible what he says in verse two. Listen, listen to me, eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. That's what a relationship with God is like. That's what God is promising. There really is nothing better in life than this. Real, deep, true, lasting joy and satisfaction. Are you thirsty this afternoon? Hear God's invitation to you. Come, come back, come to me. And as we come, God says, come freely. Come just as you are. Verse one again. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Then look at the next part. Come all you who have no money. Come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. This invitation is completely free. The imagery here is of the food market. I'm not sure if you've ever been up the road um, to the chapel market and farmer's market. It's there every Sunday from 10 a.m. First farmer's market in London, by the way. Anyhow, imagine going there next week. And as you turn up with all this wonderful produce and these freshly squeezed juice that they brought in from some farm, they say, completely free. Everything here is just yours to take and enjoy, come by without any money, without cost, drink freely, satisfy yourself. And this is the imagery God is given in relationship with him. Just come as you are. You don't have to clean up your act first. You don't need to do any penance. You don't need to beg and grovel when it comes to God. You don't need to complete five pillars, seven steps, or whatever else you've been told you need to do. Just come. And let him wash his mercy and grace upon you, freely pardon you. You just need to come. I read a story this week about a couple from Eastern Europe who found political asylum in this country during the Second World War, and they got this wedding invitation, and it had the letters RSVP on, right, which wedding invitations um, often have on. But they didn't know what those letters stood for, understandable. I mean, it is like a French phrase, isn't it? Respondez, s'il vous plaît, reply, please let me know if you're coming. Um, and the husband, whose English wasn't very great and often gets V's and W's a bit mixed up, he thought it was remember, send wedding presents. As if, like, this wedding invitation, it, it was a demand. It was something you had to do, something you had to bring, you know, right, in, in order than what you, to come, rather than it just being a free, a free invitation. And I wonder how many people make the, that mistake when it comes to a, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. My goodness, I need to do something. I need to bring something. I need to sort my life out first. I need to pull my socks up. I need to go to church more. I need to give money away. Just come. Just come. What about my sin? Just come. I mean, I don't know how you're feeling this afternoon, and maybe you just feel you've got nothing to bring to the table when it comes to your relationship with God. If that is you, great news. Come. But I feel so weighed down by the guilt and burden of my sin, the shame I feel. It's okay. Come. I'll pardon you. I'm half-hearted. I'm lukewarm. It's not going very well. Come. I mean, do you hear it? Do you hear the invitation from God, not me? <laughs> Come to him. He's so merciful. He's so gracious. He loves you that much. He will freely pardon you. Why do we think Jesus Christ spent so much time hanging out with sinners whilst he was here on earth? Because that's who he came for. 
those who recognize their spiritual impoverishment, those who recognize their spiritual weakness, those who know they they don't bring anything to the table, those who recognize their need and so come to Jesus. And it's often the enlightened people, the sophisticated, the people who think, yeah, yeah, I've got something to bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, God, I can help him out. No. And then they miss out on this great invitation. Just come. Now, why does it say, come, buy, and eat, if this invitation is free? Do you think that was a little bit strange? Why does it say, come, buy, wine, and milk, without money and without cost, if actually it, it's, it is completely free? What are you buying? Like, how's that work? There is a cost to this invitation, but it has been paid for by another. Remember what we saw last week from Isaiah 52 and 53 and the suffering servant? Let me quote just a little bit from it. Um, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with God was on him, and by his wounds we are spiritually healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray because of our sin. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. And that is why we can come freely. That's why we can come by milk and wine and water without cost, because Jesus Christ has paid the cost for us. He has died for our sin once for all, so come. Waters to quench that thirst, wine to gladden the heart, milk to nourish the soul. It's yours, available right now. Come. Listen to how John Bunyan puts it in his allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. The way God sets us free from the burden of sin, gives us this rest, gives us this satisfaction of a relationship with him. He ran thus until he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below, in the bottom, a tomb. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian, that's the name of the, the protagonist, came up with the cross, his burden loosed from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to till it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. But he stood still a while to look and to wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease his burden. So he looked and looked again, even until the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. So here is God's invitation to you. If you are feeling guilty of sin, burdened by sin, think God doesn't love you, he doesn't accept you, he really does. Look to Jesus, see him dying on the cross for your sin, And know the assurance of God saying to you now, I freely pardon you, I forgive you, I love you, I welcome you, you're mine, I've got you. Come. And come freely. Very easy to overcomplicate the Christian life. Um, We can come to our Bibles, we can come to church, as you've done to you this afternoon, we can come to our fellowship groups on Wednesday evenings, we can come to serve, We can do all these things and yet forget to come to the one person that matters that is God himself and enjoy fellowship and relationship with him through Jesus Christ. 
So come to him now, in your heart, as you're listening to this sermon. Lord, I come to you. Look, and as we do that, as we do come to the Lord in faith, final thing to see from these seven verses is the transformative effect it will have on us. So come and be transformed, come and be transformed to be my witnesses. This is verse five. Just have a glance down there. Verse five. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Now, we need to be a little bit careful here, applying this and applying this correctly in the right way. The nation of Israel was always intended by God to be a kingdom of priests, a light to the nations, through them to bring blessing to the whole world. But they failed in that, right? Through their sin, through their idolatry. And so God then sends Jesus Christ, the true greater David, the the true Israel, and through his life and death and resurrection now opens up the possibility of pardon and, and the blessing of relationship with God for anyone the whole world over if they put their faith in him. And as you come to him and put your faith in him, God is now saying he will work in you and through you and bestow you with splendor, the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, so that as you live for him, through your words and your actions, with your friendship groups and your community where you work, so other people will be drawn to that same love and forgiveness of God. Do you see that's what that's saying there? He said, you, you will summon nations you know not. Nations you do not know will come running to you. I mean, is that not amazing that God would use us in this way to draw other people to him that they may join in this wonderful invitation? And so God wants you to be a person of influence for him. Did you know that? Real, lasting influence. Did you know what the second most popular um, career choice is now for 11 to 16-year-olds? It's not the first one, right? That's a doctor. Guess what the second one is? Time for some feedback. Oh, what? I couldn't hear that. It is. The second most popular career choice right now is a social media influencer. Now look, I don't know whether that's because people generally do want to bring sort of influence in people's lives for good or they're just thinking this is an easy way to make a lot of money very quickly. But that's fascinating. And by the way, if that is you or you're wanting to be that, I think you need 5,000 followers on Instagram, you need something like 4,000 hours of public viewing in the last 12 months, valid public viewing, just to even be considered as an influencer. Pretty hard, probably not going to do it, not going to make much impact in the world. But what God was promising here is we come to him as we will have a genuine impact the whole world over potentially, individually, through the church, as we are living for Jesus Christ, as we're standing up for him, and people are drawn to us, not by force of personality, not by Bible bashing violence, but through the splendor of the Holy Spirit at work in us, the love, joy, and peace that comes through relationship with Christ. Why are you so calm in the run-up to exam season? I don't get it. How do you do that? Why are you so satisfied in life? So joyful, and I know how tough things are for you circumstantially. Where does your joy come from in all the tough times you're going through? Where does your strength and resolve come from to speak up like that in the meeting? How is it that you seem to be able to meet the demands of life in a way that I simply cannot? And you say, oh, it's not me. It's not me. I can't do it. Not my own strength. It's the Lord. 
It's the Lord I know, the Lord who's forgiven me when I go wrong. The Lord who's given me his spirit and who's at work in me. Do you know this Lord? I'd love to talk to you about him. Can I share the message with you about him? He offers a great invitation. I don't know if you saw this week a group of activists known as the last generation pour black paint all over an art installation near the Bundestag in Germany. Did you read about this? These activists were trying to, well, they're trying to make a difference to the world. They're trying to call people's attention to the continued use of fossil fuels, such as oil. But their action has been widely criticized because this art installation that they chose to deface and pour this black paint over was actually by this Israeli artist celebrating like fundamental human rights, like the freedom of expression and the freedom of assembly, the very things which these protesters were like protesting against. And so it's had this like opposite effect, where instead of like attracting people to the cause, to their cause, people are being completely turned off by their actions. And what God is inviting us to here is something that is truly life-changing, something with global significance, that we would be a church that in the way we live our lives attract people to Jesus Christ and not turn people off. Now you say, oh my goodness, I find this so hard. I'm spiritually weak. I feel very important. Remember before? Great. Come to the Lord. <laughs> Keep coming to him. And as you're pardoned afresh for, the, for your sins and you say you have that joy again, oh my goodness, God loves you that much despite that, that thankfulness in your heart, that will be transformative. Keep coming to him to be strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's more love and joy and peace. Keep walking in step with the Spirit. Keep walking closely with the Lord. Each He will transform you to be his witnesses, to bring real, lasting change, global significance. My goodness, if just one person came to faith in Christ through your witness, whether you're aware of it or not, that has eternal value and significance. What an invitation. Come. Come to me. For those of you looking into Christian things, there is a, an urgency to this invitation in verse 6. Do you notice that? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Okay, he is near. He's here now by his spirit. He can be found now. Now until Christ comes back or until you die. So come now, he says. Don't delay. Some of us in the church family are reeling from some news about a previous member of the church family here who a month ago collapsed on a basketball court and, and tragically died, age 29, a month before um, getting married. He knew the Lord. He had come to the Lord. He is with him now. He is safe with him. But please, if you're someone here looking into Christian things, and it's great to have you here, please, please don't assume that you're, just, you're going to live a long life automatically. Many people do, but don't assume it. Don't assume that you can just put this whole Christian thing off until you know, your retirement age. Seek the Lord while he may be found. You've seen how wonderful this invitation is. It's what life's about, a relationship with God. Come to him now. And for those of us who have already come to the Lord in repentance and faith, well, here is an invitation to just keep coming, right? All of life is repentance, all of life following Jesus Christ. Let's keep drinking from the rivers of eternal life. Let's keep drinking these, these waters. Let's come by this food and wine and milk without money, without cost. Let's keep in step with the Spirit day by day.
This is God's invitation to us to come. And the question is, will we come? Well, look, let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank and praise you for this wonderful invitation, an invitation like no other, relationship with you, the very relationship we were made for, a relationship that brings real, true, deep, lasting satisfaction, a relationship that lasts, an everlasting covenant. Thank and praise you, Father, that we just come to it freely as we are. We can't bring anything to it except our sin. So would you move our hearts to come back to you this afternoon? with the empty hands of faith so that you may fill them with your grace and mercy and pardon and transform us more and more into Christ-likeness, the splendor of your Holy Spirit to work in us so that others may be drawn to you and come to accept this invitation as well. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.